It's Thursday, March 31st, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann, from Inside Value, Joe Maker, and from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen. Guys, good to see you. Hey, Chris. Howdy. The one big story we've got today is uh, really the lead story in, in most business publications, and that is that David Sokol, longtime lieutenant of Warren Buffett and considered a possible successor as CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, has resigned. Uh, this was disclosed by Buffett himself in a letter released to the public yesterday. Also in the letter was the revelation that David Sokol had bought shares of Lubrizol, the chemical company Berkshire Hathaway just bought for $9 billion. So, guys, there are a lot of different storylines here. I want to get your general reaction in a minute, but let me just lay out the timeline for folks here. December 13th, Sokol meets with uh, City to discuss potential deals for 18 companies, and Lubrizol is the only one that Sokol finds interesting. The next day, December 14th, he buys 2,300 shares. A week later, he sells those shares of Lubrizol for virtually no profit. Uh, now we fast forward to mm. January 5th, 6th, and 7th. <laughs> Over that three days, Sokol buys 96,000 shares of Lubrizol. Uh, about 10 days later, he pitches the Lubrizol deal to Buffett, and March 13th, the Berkshire board votes to buy Lubrizol for $9 billion. So, interesting timeline, to say the least. Joe Mager, you're headed out to uh, Omaha for the Berkshire meeting. Scenic Omaha, yeah. Uh, that just got more interesting, didn't it? It sure did. What What was your reaction to the news as it was unfolding? Uh, to borrow a line from Clark W. Griswold, if I woke up this morning and my head was sewn into the carpet. I wouldn't be as surprised as I am right now. <laughs> I, I was totally floored. Um, one, I think Dave Sokol, a lot of people considered him the heir apparent for the CEO position of Berkshire Hathaway. And the reason is he's been a highly successful operator for years within Berkshire running Mid-American. Um, he is Buffett's Mr. Fix-It. He went into NetJets a couple years ago and turned around a totally floundering business. Everyone thinks very highly of him, or at least did until about 12 hours ago. Yeah. Uh, again, he, he was considered the heir apparent, great operator. I think everyone has huge respect for him, but this was just such a huge curveball. I was blown away that he was leaving, and then you see the, you know, not necessarily allegations, but certainly questions around the the ethics of what happened with the Luprazol deal. It's just a total shock. Bill Mann, you're also a longtime Berkshire watcher. What did you think? Well, I th I thought it smelled smelled bad instantly. So I I went home and I I, I spoke with my wife, who is actually an ethics attorney, and I pulled out all the names. I said, "Well, let me lay out the case for you." And I laid out basically the timeline that you said. And she said, "You know, that wouldn't in in my line of work that would not pass the smell test at all. I mean, that is not the kind of thing that you know. Those are not a good set of facts for you know for the person who has done this." So. I saw David Sokol on CNBC this morning, and it is reasonable that you could take him at his word that this was not something that was done intentionally, but it does show to me tremendously bad judgment. And that's the kind of thing that Warren Buffett just has always said you just cannot have because it is, it's reputation destroying. Uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin um, wrote this morning, um, I think it was on the New York Times website. Uh, he was also watching Sokol on CNBC. Sorkin wrote, I was struck by what appeared to be a remarkable lack of appreciation for the way the public would perceive his actions. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, uh, you, you have to understand that these are, th these are incredibly rich men, and they're doing, you know, and, and he's a businessman. So, you know, 
to the public, who is ultimately whom this is very important to, the fact that he turned $10 million into $13 million very in a, quickly in a blink of an eye and may had something may have had something to do with that tra- second transaction taking place, that's bad. Tim Hansen? I mean, for a company that, that has been throughout its history, in an organization that has been almost throughout its history, sanctimonious about its ethics and morality and commitment to doing things the right way, I mean, this is this is funny in one way. It's sad in another. But, I mean, at this point, Berkshire Hathaway is reeling a little bit. I mean, you know, Buffett hasn't been directly implicated in anything, right? But mm-hmm. his organization, there's there's the Sokol News yesterday. There was the, the Goldman Sachs insider trading thing, um, you know, a, a few weeks ago where, where Berkshire Hathaway was indirectly sort of just tied to another organization where, you know, morality was being called into question. At the end of the day, it's not always what you do, but who you associate with. You know, but in terms of how you're judged, and right now Berkshire's been associating with some pretty, um, it's pretty shady deals. Yeah, Buffett was quoted in the Wall Street Journal as saying, um, he said neither he nor Sokol believed the stock purchases quote were in any way unlawful, and Buffett said Sokol told him the stock transactions quote weren't a factor in his decision to resign. I, I, I don't know that really. Like, do we believe? No, Chris, that? not really. But, <laughs> I mean, but you need to write something down. Like, really, <laughs> it is really the test for Berkshire Hathaway. I mean, I think if you were to ask Warren Buffett, is the test for Berkshire Hathaway whether something is illegal or legal? Is that the bright line that they're looking at? I mean, yeah. Berkshire Hathaway has always prided itself as being so far away from that line. I mean, they talk about the New York Times test. You know, you don't do anything that you wouldn't want to appear on the New York Times the next day. Well, guess what? Guess what? (laughs) It's on the New York Times today, and it looks horrible. Joe, what do you think in terms of reputational damage to... I think Joe's lost a hero here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I uh, I was telling the guys, I read Dave Sokol's book last week. It's incredibly And uh, do you funny. feel dirty now? I do. And honestly, <laughs> the funny thing is I came away from the book very impressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought incredibly highly of him. I actually passed the book on to my boss here at The Fool, who was reading it, and You're probably have have stopped your... <laughs> reading it after what has happened. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that in this case, you know, he tried to resign a couple years ago, so it's not like this hasn't been in the hopper for a while. And with the annual meeting coming up in a month, I mean, they were totally between a rock and a hard place on this, where they had to do it sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, well, it would be disingenuous for them to not talk about it at the annual meeting. But then again, you know, bringing it up now certainly doesn't. Well, well although didn't they get out in front of all this news by by saying last week that you know maybe Sokol wasn't actually the heir apparent? I mean, Buffett had said something about um, um, there was a lot of love for Ajit. Right. Ajit Jain, who, who, who runs the, one of the large reinsurance businesses, being really the next choice for CEO, which caught a lot of people by surprise. Yeah. And then this comes out. Interesting. And this starts to see a little bit like, you know, to harken back to my White House days, a little bit of message control coming out of, coming out yeah. of Omaha for someone who likes to think of himself as so folksy and straight shooting and all that. You know, I mean, I mean two it, almost, it, it almost feels to me like when the uh, Russians lost to the Americans in hockey, how they didn't have the type of you know hurry-up offense at the end of the day because they didn't think they'd ever need it. You kind of wonder if Berkshire Hathaway even knows how to deal with a situation like this because it just hasn't come up. Well, well to their credit, naive, I mean, they, they didn't lawyer up in a sense, right? No. I mean, Buffett was very clear about what happened in the letter he wrote. And then Sokol today doing 32 minutes of uninterrupted Q and A with Becky Quick. I mean, that's that's pretty. There's some stones involved with doing that, right? And he did it without a lawyer, uh, faced a lot of tough questions. And I don't think someone who had done something categorically wrong, or at least in their mind, would go on t- 
television and subject themselves. Yeah, but I, I, Bill Clinton. I, <laughs> but it depends but, on your definition of categorically wrong. I also don't think that you walk onto the set of CNBC to sit down with Becky Quick when you it's like, oh, and and joining me today, I I, I have a surprise guest. It's my lawyer. So I, I also don't think like the the flip side of that works. But I want to go back to something that Tim just raised, which was uh, the the comments that came out about a week ago. Uh, our producer Matt Greer uh, this morning contacted Alice Schroeder, who's best-selling author of the Snowball, the the biography of Buffett, um, to get her thoughts on this. And she wrote back uh, very quickly. Um, here's what she wrote: Buffett came out about a week ago and said that the board would support Ajit Jane if he wanted the job. That was unprecedented. Buffett has never thrown that much support behind any candidate before. Among other things, his son Howie is on the board, and this means the Buffett family supports Ajit as the successor. In light of the timing, I think he knew the Sokol news was coming and was trying to get ahead of it. Is that something? Well, I mean, that's tough to argue with. That's pretty tough to argue with. Um, you know, then again, the thing with Sokol that I've always kind of wondered about is that while I do think he's a killer operator and I think he would be a fantastic leader of many companies, he would not – his style of management isn't a very good fit with Berkshire Hathaway, where Buffett allows all of his people to run their companies individually and separately. Mm-hmm. And Sokol is very hands-on, very hard-driving, and doesn't fit with that at all. So, I mean, it could just be that he knew – and Sokol said this morning on CNBC that he never wanted Buffett's job. And maybe Buffett was aware of this this entire time, and it never came up. Now, that said, I find it a little <laughs> – little odd on the timing, and to Tim's point, it's tough to That would be a more, a more coherent out. argument if the second half of Buffett's letter didn't exist. If it was just Dave Sokol's resigning, and it made sense for Dave Sokol to resign. He wanted to do some other things, be more entrepreneurial, not be a caretaker, that sort of thing. But you know, the timing of this is all, is all very bizarre. Yeah, I... I I tend to take them at their, you know, at their word that there was nothing, you know, that th- there was no grand scheme. But at the same time, it just doesn't look good. So, what do you think is the next shoe to drop? If there is another shoe to drop, what like does is this a story that sort of goes away? Could, I mean, again, the annual meeting is coming up. Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe. And Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin, for that matter, will be um, handling questions during one of the panels. That this uh, won't come up. You don't think it'll come up? <laughs> you got to remember everybody at the annual meeting is there to to, to clap their hands at, at Warren no. Buffett and Charlie Munger. So I, yeah, I wouldn't expect too many tough questions well, from they, the crowd. They did face some pretty tough questions no, it'll, it'll in the up. past. It'll come up. I mean, Buffett did say at the end of his letter or press release, however you want to define it, about Sokol, that this is kind of my last comment on the matter. You know, good luck with that. And there are all sorts of roundabout ways that people will get to this question of who's going to step in and lead in his absence. So who does? I mean, if if Ajit is now looked at as the heir apparent as CEO at Berkshire, do Buffett and Munger need to come up with one other significant star in the Berkshire family to put forward, if for no other reason than to help put the Sokol News behind them? Well, they got Matt Rose, the uh, the Burlington guy, who certainly stepped up as, as a realistic candidate. But then again, he hasn't been in the family, so to speak, for a long time. Yeah. So I've, I would be pretty surprised if they went in that direction instead of Ajit. I think they'll take their time. I do want to go back to something that you were just asking about a moment ago. One thing that this really does complicate is the actual Lubrizol transaction, because there are existing shareholder suits from Lubrizol shareholders that say, hey, the price was too low. You know, this was something that was, you know, they... They didn't. They didn't farm out and try to get the best bid they could, and so this really complicates that actual. And the deal isn't finalized yet. No, no, it's not done. So we, you know, they have an agreement, but an agreement will require a shareholder vote, and I think probably 
both on the suit size and on the approval side. This just got a little bit more complicated. All right. Joe Maker, Bill Mann, Tim Hansen. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and click over to the Motley Fool's website, fool.com, tomorrow for a special Friday edition of Market Foolery.